On this episode of Industry Relations, we talk to Saul Klein about the Black Knight and Ice deal and try to understand it all. This is Industry Relations, a podcast that's at the intersection of real estate and technology from an insider's perspective with Rob Hahn and Greg Robertson. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a special episode of Industry Relations with Rob and Greg. Uh, this is obviously your host, Notorious Rob. Uh, and with me is my co-host, the fabulous Greg Robertson. <laughs> Hello, Rob. I, I'm Jazz not, hands, I'm Greg Robertson. A, jazz hands. I'm not I'm not sure about the fabulous moniker still, but um, I'll so, take it. Sure. All right. I mean, we could we could try. Uh, no, in fact, if you have any suggestions for Greg as to what he should be, uh, oh yeah, I'm sure. Just let us know. Here. You know, uh, y'all know how to get a hold of us. Or if you're watching this YouTube, like leave uh, leave your thoughts in the comments. Uh, I, I like fabulous Greg Robertson because he is pretty goddamn fabulous. But you know, and you are pretty goddamn notorious. So I am pretty goddamn notorious. Uh, as you can see, today's our boys and girls uh, theme. You know, navy blue over there. And uh, I'm I'm uh, going with pink because uh, you got to be secure in your masculinity to wear pink. Absolutely. Real men wear pink. No salmon, so really. Like... But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> but uh, look, every episode we do is actually special. But I think this one is uh, maybe more special than others because we're going to tackle a topic that neither of us truly feel like we understand with somebody who really does, we think, understand it. So let's bring him on and I'll have you introduce him, Greg. Mr. Saul Klein. How are yeah. you, Saul? Hey, Rob. Good to see you. Saul, uh, you are the OGs of OGs in this in this business. I mean, I've been following you and reading you back into the uh, the real talk, you know, forum days. And <laughs> I gotta say, I I I still follow you on YouTube and and I use a lot of your content, um, especially kind of the ones about organized real estate. I I've copied you, I've uh I've plagiarized you in many formats for onboarding new employees and getting people introduced to organized real estate. So it is just, uh, and we've been talking about doing this for a while. So thank you so much for joining Rob and I today. Indeed. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to be here with you guys. And um, I like Gregarious Greg, by the way. <laughs> All right. <there> you <laughs> go. Just, just kind of thinking about that. A lot that of G's. See that five times. Yeah. Got to have some alliteration here to make it. And, and I would also say that uh, for, for anybody, if I write something and people see it and they want to use it, uh, you know, I've always told people I'm more afraid of anonymity than I am copyright infringement. So um, just feel free. Yeah. So real yeah, quick, Saul, yeah, uh, you know, obviously we know you and people who are kind of the MLS side, the, the industry side know who you are. But in case anyone that just give us a little five minute, like because you are the OG of OGs, like you've been involved with technology and data and real estate forever. Just give us a little intro is to kind of when you yeah. started and how yeah, yeah. What, what you've been involved with so i was a lucky guy got into real estate business in 1975 as a licensee and 77 as a broker as i waited to get out of the navy i was a naval officer for six years and i got into real estate in san diego and developed a real estate business and a financial planning practice i got into securities business got series 7 24 63 securities licenses certified financial planner decided in the late 90s i would get active at my late 80s i'd get active at my board of realtors and became the president of the san diego association of realtors in 1993 and learned all kinds of great things participating as a volunteer and got involved and uh along Walt Bukowski, who you know, was my executive officer and I was the president. We had a great time and a great uh, relationship was formed volunteering. In, uh, the, in 1995, I was asked to, be, to participate as an advisor to the Realtors Information Network, which, was, which birthed Realtor.com. Uh, nobody wanted to put their listings on the internet. Very few people knew what the internet was back then and so somebody had to go out and convince people that putting your listings up where people could see them actually was advantageous and we were successful in launching realtor.com it later uh went another direction for other reasons that's a whole nother show we could talk about that so i <laughs> tell people I, I was on that first team with bob goldberg ask you you know bob goldberg and you can ask him uh, i trained him when he came to uh, nar i was the realtor consultant for Rin and bob and i teamed up and I actually joke with him. It's uh, someday I'm going to write a book how Bob Goldberg got my job because I was there before <laughs> I was there before him. And uh, so we worked together in launching that uh, realtor.com and 
And then, you know, realtors didn't know what the internet was. They didn't know about data. Nobody knew very much about that. And so my partners, uh, John Riley, Mike Barnett, and Terry Murphy and I set out to start to talk to people about, you know, how do you get online? What's a domain name? What's an email address? What's a web? Real basic stuff, but nobody knew that stuff back then. Uh, we were asked to write the uh, ePro course. We created an NAR designation. After that, I took over as a, comp- a company uh, called Point Two Technologies in Canada. We got involved in syndication, normalizing data. The whole time we were fight- fighting with everybody in the industry that the data is valuable. You got to have con because the initial. Can you might remember the initial data contracts from MLSs had no restrictions in. Them. Right there was no talk about who gets the derivative benefits. There was no talk about deduplicated, none of that. And so they had no restrictions and, and I f- found us in a position and I hired Walt and, and we were up in Saskatoon. We found ourselves in a position where we had to start writing some rules around data and that's how we got active and, and interested in data. So I've been a realtor and I'm still a realtor. I don't sell other people's real estate anymore, but, but I still maintain my license in the state of California and I've been a member of NAR for 40 years and i've been on just about every committee at the state and and uh local level that you can think about think of and a number of of uh, national committees and forums as well so i'm just somebody who's been around for a long time and initially i was in the right place at the right time well All right. sure. i mean what what hasn't he done right and uh, i know it's the thing but I, I think recently for for me at least um you know, I've been following you on, on topic, and you've been talking about a, a variety of topics. But what has come up now that I think um, you had you had written about a, a while back was um, ICE and ICE's acquisition of Black Knight. And you had written about ICE. Uh, you know, I think it was either earlier this year or last year. And and then when this Black Knight hit, you were kind of one of the only people out there that really was talking about it. And I know that a lot of uh, people that I know have been asking me, what do you think about this? Or what do you, you know, and Rob and I have been, I know Rob's getting the same kind of inquiries. And I'm like, well, you know, if we're going to bring, if we're going to talk about this, we should bring Sal on because he's, he's been uh, looking at this, looking at ice and understands the industry. So um, we appreciate you coming on the industry relations podcast with us. Yeah, my pleasure. Well, so ICE is, I started to write about ice about a year ago, a little over a year ago, maybe just because they were brought to my attention. By people that I know, and they said, you know, you should you should look at this. Just just real quick, Saul. What is ICE? Yeah, Intercontinental Exchange. It's a company that's involved in creating technologies, building marketplaces, uh, creating futures markets, and owns the New York Stock Exchange. Owns many other exchanges in L. So that's so that's kind of got what got my attention a while back year and a half or so ago is that it made these purchases and you can look at this number of you know four major purchases and the black knight one just came a couple weeks ago and that was a surprise to me because i'd followed these other ones so they so black so ice is a company intercontinental exchange that wants to own the technology think about this they're a technology company really is the way i look at it because they become like the new york stock exchange doesn't matter whether the stock exchange is going up or going down the people that own the stock exchange are making money both ways and then they have all of this transactional data, so they then package up that data and they sell that. So ICE is this company that actually its history goes back to like the Enron days. That was an interesting story. And you remember the you guys remember that Enron? Yeah, you're old enough to remember that, yeah, right? Yeah, of course. <laughs> right, guys so, right. Yeah, yeah. So you look at the Enron. This was all about futures trading and the you know petroleum and and futures and knowing what future so if you bought a tanker full of oil what oil is in there you know is it is it uh, north sea crude is it carrot what what's the grade and there was no great way to grade this and so there were some other problems and you had this major collapse with enron and uh that caused a lot of problem in the financial markets and so the people so wall street big you know, really, the GSEs, the um, the major banks, you know, the J.P. Morgans, the, the Morgan Stanleys, decided that they really needed a better way to grade some of these securities that were sold, these futures that were sold. And so a guy by the name of Sprecher was uh, brought in and, and started to create ICE, which was about purchasing technologies, integrating technologies, creating markets and marketplaces 
And then they needed other assets to do this. And so you look at ICE, Intercontinental Exchange, and then you look over the last, oh, 2010, probably, there was this acquisition of, of MERS, which is a record source, right? Is you think about all the loans and uh, loans that are placed. And, and here's something that's kind of interesting to me is, you know, Greg, you asked this. You said, you t- explain this to me like you're uh, five years old. And so I, the last three days, I've been trying to look at this as if I were five years old. And I came up with like 2,000 words to, to, explain, <laughs> to, to explain this to a five-year-old, right? So it's bits and pieces. You don't need to understand it all. I think there's some major points we need to take from this. But it, it really is a lot here. And there's a lot that people... I think, yeah. I think when I look at it and reading, you know, the stuff that you you sent out and listening to your conversations, so what I would put it is that, you know, they're 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 trying to make these a lot of things that were in previously like offline complex transactions. They're, they're, all their all their acquisitions to me is to kind of digitize or make those those kind of those things simpler and easier to digest. And once you once you simplify a process and you're able to kind of digitize it, you can then generate data from that. And then yeah. that data can be used to create markets. Well, right. So exactly. Yeah. And you can take costs out of it. So that's a right. big thing. Is people so us on the real estate side as opposed to the lending side, we really don't think about how much it costs to place a loan to service that loan. People don't even know what the term service the loan means. And I can tell you, I service loans when you had to do it by hand. I used to work for an old time investor and he invested in trustees. And every month we'd get checks and somebody had to take the check. Somebody had to figure out what the interest rate was, what the monthly interest rate was, apply the monthly interest rate to the principal balance, come up with the monthly interest, subtract the monthly interest from the payment to get the principal reduction subtract the principal reduction from and then but there was a little book and you would book it you'd make these entries and then you'd send the loan book back to the borrower and that's how you service loans well of course it's all automated now and we're talking about millions and millions of that's that's exactly i guess what ice is doing but on a larger scale they're just looking at different industries and saying how can we take these things that like a guy like sal used to do or a trader on a floor or anything like that and, and, and make it more efficient and, and digitize it. And therefore, you know, that data, and then we can use in other types of things, right? Like, and, like, and, and, then, and then we've, maybe we, we're going to be, it's more liquidity because people are going to understand it. There's going to be le- more confidence. And so, but go back to this idea of servicing loans, creating the technology to service loans. And that, you're right, Greg, that gives you information. That's one of the things ICE does. And they do it really well. But after the debacle, the Enron debacle, and after the last crisis in 2008, there were many changes made to uh, regulation of financial institutions, new organizations to regulate financial institutions. And so something they really needed, This what was felt was there was too much risk in loan portfolios because people are buying a pig in a poke. In the secondary market, they have no idea. All these separate databases, all this separate information, how good is the appraisal, are the loans are the properties mispriced? Are the risks greater than the risks that are being taken? And then you got this complex monetary system where we got the Fed and we got Treasury and we've got the GSEs, the government-sponsored enterprises, Freddie and Fannie, and right. So you got all of these players with all different agendas and objectives, and the risk is buried. So it was decided part of this of the the. Uh, repercussions from the 2008 2009 the great recession was to go in and digitize the mortgage because a completely digitized mortgage is going to give more transparency more transparency is going to going to help investors decide how to price those assets that they're buying or selling let let, let, let's pause there a little bit so rob you know our, our listeners, right? I think what, what's been happening in the industry is there's been these all these acquisitions, right? Like, you know, I think CoStar being the famous one, but, you know, Zillow buying showing time and how this disrupts everything. You know, just, you know, as I'm listening to Saul here, to me, there's a, there's what I think you and I call fondly organized real estate. I know this is a term yep. I got from Saul originally, really. <laughs> yeah, I know. And, and this organized real estate to me is like, People not on the lending side, really, but more on the practitioner, 
you know, MLS association, that type of side of things. Right. So, and, and let me, let me, maybe I could put it this way, listening to Saul, a lot of this stuff that's happening and, and people think black Knight and our, our reader, our listenership readership, our listenership, I think, or viewership looks at things from, Oh, the MLS, they, that's an MLS company. But really, the MLS side of that business is so small. When I hear Saul talking, this is really, I mean, how would I put this? This is more of a fintech thing than a prop tech thing, right? So Absolutely. All these things that I think when, when MLS executives or uh, agents or brokers are worried about, you know, this, you know, all these acquisitions going on to me, I don't think, I think this is not that type of thing. This is all on the, the, the lender side of things. Not, re- I mean, it's great. I think that they have some touch points with the MLS, but this is not going to affect. I think the ways that it would affect an agent is that I, th- I think there's so much stuff we've done on the prop tech side to like make it easier for consumers to see listings. And, you know, obviously Sal had a big, a big um, part of that to begin with, but there's been a lot of stuff on uh, done on the prop tech side, but really I think we're all getting to a point. We've talked about this in the past that really the friction is the inefficiencies are happening on the lending side. Um, and if, if we want to make, and that's a whole different world from what we know from organized real estate. Is that fair, Sal or Rob? Yeah. I mean, I, th- I think it's fair. And I think though that there's a carryover that will carry over to the broker agent side. It's just not quite there yet I, because we've got other things to figure out here that are happening right now. But yeah, I mean, I guess my, you know, explain it to me like I'm five years old question really is. I saw the you know report like Black Knight acquired by ICE and it's like thirteen billion. I'm like that's a big number, but still only thirteen billion, right? Like we're sending sixty billion to Ukraine to buy missiles, so it's like okay, thirteen billion. <laughs> In the world of finance, it's not that big a deal. So from your standpoint, so why do you think this is a big deal? Well, so here's let me give you ICE's objectives, right? The first is to digitize the loan process from start to finish. And in doing so, you bring a lot more transparency. And we don't, again, we don't think about, we, on the real estate side, think about the cost of loans. But that lending business can't be a very profitable business, really, if you start to look at people who buy loans. you got to service a loan, go through that service process every month that I mentioned, when, or whenever a payment's received. At the same time, when you, you look at these loans, they get, sometimes they go into foreclosure. That takes a lot of human beings to deal with and, the, and a lot of costs. Uh, sometimes you have early payoffs. Uh, sometimes right, have refinance. So you've got all these things that we don't even think about. They all cost money because if you have a refinance, how many people are involved in a refinance? 10 or yeah, 15? But, but Saul, I mean, digitization doesn't change any of that. Like digitization doesn't prevent uh, foreclosure. I mean, it, foreclosure is an economic like. No, but processing those things. But it's, like, a, it's, 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 it's prevent. It's a process, processing refi, processing well, a, a foreclosure, processing. If you can make that more um, digital. I can't. Involving a lot of more human. Well, that, well, that, that's the theory. That's that's the theory that that ICE, ICE is using, right? So, in this process, in this digitizing the process, can make it more transparent, which reduces risk, which will which will whoever it is will cut right. some people. So, well, I always tell people we'll remove some hands. From the but here's so I don't get. I think from my standpoint again, because I I haven't followed that space as closely. Um, Mortgage has been digitized. The servicing has been digitized for at least 10 years. Like, you know, in fact, ICE went and bought MERS Corp, right? And during the last GFC, MERS was the center of of a lot of this uh, these problems. I remember writing about MERS and I'm writing about, you know, all this stuff. So it's, well, think it's about kind this. of digitized already. Well, you so, know? so they bought MERS. So they own MERS. What is MERS really? People don't even know what, what MERS is. And they it's, bought Ellie Mae and then they bought Simply File. And now they bought Black Knight. So it's not the one purchase, it's a sequence. And so you're right, MERS is really, and the way it was explained to me is MERS is the QCIP number. Are you familiar with the QCIP number, right? So we got all these different stock certificates and every stock certificate has got to have a number because how do you identify when I sell my Apple stock and it goes to a broker dealer? And So all of the stock that's publicly traded have a number so they can be identified. But you know this, you borrow money and then that loan is sold to somebody and then it's sold to somebody else. And even who's the trustee? on the loan and oftentimes it was the mortgage company or the or the title company because they put their name on the document so they were the trustee so you have this all of the critical people to the lend and remember all these loans are being packaged up and sold to somebody 
and then they're being securitized and right so if you had to foreclose if all this has to take place how do you they called it a golden record who do you go to to find out who the trustee is and, and that's mers and that was one step in that direction and digitized and then they got uh when they bought black knight they ended up with optimal blue and collateral analytics and so let me go back one thing is to digitize you're right rob a lot of it has been digitized but it hasn't all been digitized into one platform or into platforms that can integrate everything into one and also been done with companies that have 50 percent market share or 70 percent market share and so what ice is trying to do is they're going to be the opera i use this term they're going to be the operating system of all financial instruments and they're going mean, to they'd love to be but you know they're not there and just yeah. acquiring black knight doesn't make them that no I mean, no, to, no for starters for, for starters i mean because yeah. you mentioned this Saul, appraisal information right the best appraisal database in the in the industry in the country right now is probably fanny and freddie right fanny may has a uad that's we we talked to who was that appraiser we spoke to right and it's like yeah. fanny doesn't make that available to anybody it's not available Black Knight doesn't have access to it. Ice doesn't have access to it. So, they, so in other words, when I read the announcement, what it sounded like to me was Black Knight has one of the industry-leading uh, uh, software systems for mortgage companies to use, just to you know, issue loans, process servicing, all of that. They have one of the leaders in terms of the software that mortgage companies use. Just like, I guess in real estate, it would be like a wolf net you know, or a, a lone wolf or you know, or uh, I don't know, you know, you know yeah, yeah. the operating system, the, the software that yeah. brokerages run on, right? Yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's it's nice, but to your point, they're a tech company. They sell software to their their clients. They're just buying. But they yeah, go beyond that. They also make the markets. And, you know, you just you brought up Fannie and Freddie, and they're the GSEs. And there's a whole other conversation is we don't know how good their loan valuations are. Right, we don't know how much trouble is ahead with regard to for forbearance and foreclosure, and it's a lot worse than people think. And mm -hmm. and that has to do with Fannie and Freddie and their relationship with Treasury. So there are these different data. But that's part of the point. There are all these disparate databases. Sure. Yeah, and, and so that brings when you say it that way, Rob. Too to me, what it is is it's almost like what's going on in in our space right now is that. There are multiple vendors going for this kind of, and, and Lone Wolf is guilty of this, this end-to-end -end solution, right? And I sure. think in in the lending space, there are, it sounds like there are other, you know, m multiple vendors going for their own end-to-end -end solution. And they're sure. making acquisitions along the way sure. to, to do that, right? So. Sure. Um, it's, it's, but that's, but that's nothing, what I'm getting at. Right? Nothing new under the sun. Everybody's so, what, what, I, what, I'm, what I'm getting at is this. Okay, let's say ICE is successful and they launch, they become the dominant end-to-end -end platform. New York, Stock Ex New York Stock Exchange for mortgages. All trading, right? That's where they're headed. And what I mean, they, I guess, I, I guess I was thinking more like, okay, something, yeah, they're, they're going to be the platform where all mortgages change hands. At the at the so? uh, well, it's great for it's great for them, right? Yeah. A, a, again, as what they're looking to do is manuf they're looking to create the technology to allow for on time manufactured quality loans without inventory. So digitized transaction, that's great. We're there. The next thing is to be able to extract information from those digitized transactions to be able to sell them to uh, KPMG and consulting firms that want that kind of whoever wants that kind of data. Okay. So they sell that data. Then manufacture loans, on-time loans. So now we're talking about property pre-qualifying and lender pre-qualifying. That's the next step to be able to manufacture the loan and have the seller, the buyer of the loan waiting in the secondary market. So there is no warehousing, there is no inventory, there is no cost, and it's automatic. So that's right. another, that's another objective. Time out there, right? So I think where you're going towards is and all I'm, again. I'm just give you the, what they're claiming oh, no, okay. they want to do, right? Your interpretation, okay? Yeah. So we're all interpreting things, right? So I think where you're going is like, okay, so now with real estate, they're gonna they're gonna they they're gonna want to come up and be also sell loans, right? They want to have their own front house to sell loans as well because they have this this beautiful back end, right? Ice. There are uh, so ice is already. I think that's, is that what you're. Is there's, that ice, what you're, there's no way. Ice, ice provides the platform, and it's yeah. regulatorily approved for these loans to be sold, to be to be first to be placed, then to be packaged, 
than to be sold within the regulatory constraints of Fannie and Freddie and Treasury. And, all right. So it's very complex what they do. And they've been yeah, doing okay. it and, and, and they do it and they do it with the support of J.P. Morgan, Wells Fargo, Bank of America. Okay, do you right? think ICE will 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 have, you know, have like a, a mortgage company that consumers can code to? No, that's not their business. Okay. All right. So, but, so let me give you the four objectives, right? Number one is they want to complete this digitize, regardless of where it stands. They want to digitize, completely digitize this process, and it's not quite there yet. Then they want to get to the point where they're 10-minute qualifying, one-minute fund, right? Now, I know we can talk, in our paradigm, that's ridiculous. Nobody would ever want to do that. Okay, but that's what we're talking about. Yeah, well, no, hold on. Stop, stop right there. Where do you see the human beings there? I think because like no, what I mean is right now the digitization of mortgage loan docs is all digital. Everything is digital. So when you say ICE wants to digitize all of it, like what are so we're talking about removing human beings? What human beings do you think ICE wants to remove? Any human being that can be removed by technology will be removed. So basically, like an underwriter, if they can be replaced by technology, they will be. Okay, sure. So before we even go further. Do you think that's possible? I do. You do? I do. No human judgment on yep. making credit yep. approvals. Yep. I, I do believe that. Matter of fact, right now, haven't they just, I just read something the other day where they're actually taking opinions and not looking for appraisals where Fannie just approved something based on, as a human being, but not an appraisal process. So no, I think this will all change, particularly if you have complete transparency. You know what's going on in the property next to the property where you're buying the loan. You know what's going on across town. So if you've got more transparency, you can reduce some of that risk. I think you can remove human beings. But let me go back to the four objectives. First, digitize. Step one. Step two, create this end-to-end where you don't have inventory because that's an added cost, right? If you got to hold that money and you can't redeploy that money, that costs more money in this overall process and cost of a loan. So if you can deliver us to the secondary market, if you can eliminate, and that's where this is also going, no middleman. Put the consumer who's borrowing money in direct contact with the secondary money market. Now that's right. I just don't see how that's possible. Well, I know that's your paradigm right now, but I'm just we're just I'm just kind of kind of walk through this, right? So they, and now here's the the next big point. They want to create a futures market in real estate. And this is so critical and nobody understands this because nobody understands what a spot market is and nobody understands what a futures market is. 43% of the assets in this country are real estate and there's no futures market. There's futures market and everything else. Now you go and look, what, what does ICE do? Their business is creating marketplaces, creating futures markets. They make money by having futures markets, by selling, you know, trading, creating the platform for the trades, not only for the assets themselves, but for the futures that are sold on the assets. And yeah, so but think about, think about what futures is, though, right? Uh, it's a, well, it's a number of things. It's a hedge for one thing. So now if there are futures- But hedge for whom? For the, well, it could be all the way down to the homeowner where you could buy- I mean, now we're really kind of stepping out of ways, but where you could hedge against the, hey, I bought my house here. I bought it for whatever price I bought it for. I bought it in the last two years, so it's a lot more. And I think the prices might drop. Is there a way I can hedge? And in real estate, there isn't. There's not a, right? Yeah, I so, guess so. So let's let's actually spend a little bit of time on what a futures market actually is, right? And how, Because this is what the original derivative. So really, the futures market exists because of producers, farmers specifically right i'm a farmer right i I, but this is like the origin of all futures everywhere right i'm a farmer in iowa i plant corn in the spring (laughs) and at at x price right cost me ten dollars to plant my whatever ten thousand dollars to plant my corn i'm hoping to get fifteen thousand dollars at market right the prices are doing this so i say you know what i'm going to sell futures another i'm going to say I will deliver corn to you, whoever, right, at $15,000 in September when I harvest. On the other side, it's like a bunch of uh, cereal manufacturers like, well, we want to we wanna have a consistent supply of corn. We, the prices are doing this. That's not cool. So you know what? I'm going to say to this farmer, I will pay you $15,000 in September when you deliver, you know, whatever, 5,000 bushel of corn to me, right? Yep. So in other words, it serves this like real fundamental business purpose. The... The, the financiers get in the middle of it and say, you know what? We're going to take a bet. 
I'm going to say, I will buy, I will do $15,000 for you. And then when September comes, I can sell it in the spot market for $20,000. So I'm going to make a profit, right? I mean, that's the futures market in its in its basic form. And then you could extend pork bellies, oil, gold, whatever. Yep. The issue with homes is, to me, the only place where this becomes super relevant are for new builders, right? Well, I think it's really relevant for people who buy loans, Right. Who so buys, so why? Okay. Right, we're Talk talking about. You know, remember, we're we're still talking about on the loan side. Sure. And so okay. all these loans are packages, mm-hmm. packaged and sold. These are investors that buy and sell. And so without a futures market, there's less liquidity. So the idea is, if there's a futures market, here you made the point. Where a futures market, there's actually more liquidity. More okay. market, more money comes to the marketplace. Well, Valuation, right? That they're betting on, right? Will this the the appreciation or depreciation? What what is the value going to be of that home? 10 years from now, right? So that, you know, an appraiser either makes that or the market makes that kind of thing. They're betting on that. It's all betting. It's like a casino. Well, it that, is. that doesn't or, matter. The value of the home it, doesn't matter. It's the mortgage. It's the loan. We're talking the loans now, right? Right. Okay. Right. So, so so just think the loans. And so people are buying, they're investors. They're buying loans, just like people who buy commodities, right? They ways they want to hedge against buying these 50,000 foreclosed homes. Whatever the purpose might be, more money comes into the marketplace, adds liquidity. Part of the of the goals here are to create more liquidity in the market because liquidity brings more certainty. So we've been listening to people tell us this for a number of years now, right? Well, how do you bring more liquidity to the marketplace and futures markets? But, part of that. So my point is liquidity in the loan market does not translate to liquidity in the property market. No, that's true. Right? But, but if there are more loans, if it's easier to get loans, if, people are willing to buy and sell more because they know or people are willing to buy and sell loans because they know they can hit just creates more a more fluid marketplace so whether or not it does that's the objective the objective is now you look at ice what they're trying to do is they're trying to create a and they'll tell you they want to create a futures market now here's the rub you can't create a futures market without a spot market okay there now there are people that try to create a spot market. What's a spot market? Spot market is when you buy something for delivery today, right? I buy it, I get it. Spot market. And you can't create a futures market until you got this spot market, right, to create this spot price. But we and already have a spot market for mortgage loans. We don't have a we don't have a spot market in real estate. Not all in one spot. We don't. Have no, no, it, it, in mortgages, right? Mortgage bonds have a spot market today. Mortgage I bonds. Go and, yeah, mortgage bonds. And that's the ultimate product, right? Because mortgages all get packaged up into and sold into MBSs. There's a spot market for MBS right now, right? Because the interest rates fluctuate. and but, then there's not a, but there's not a spot market for one loan or 10 loans or 20 loans that somebody's no. going to buy. And that's, no, where that's, where, that's where they're headed. Okay. Right? To create that, again, you got to have a, but create a spot market, which is just what things are selling for today. And then to create a futures market so people can bet, Greg, and that brings more capital to the marketplace, but you don't have a spot market. But so do you want really do you want a spot market for that granular for one or two or ten loans? Well, what I, I use one or two as an example, but really they're buying up packages or buying lots but of these. Why not why wouldn't that become that, a more security yeah. bond? And that and that doesn't eliminate the inventory problem, right? So so let's walk through this. So the issue is there's some savings alone, right, in San Diego. They make mortgage loans to home buyers. Buyer comes in, I want to buy this house. You go through the underwriting process, you know, FICO score, the whole thing, you know, financial proctology exam. And they say, great, we're going to loan you this money, right? I think what you're almost saying is that SNL will be able to turn around. Like we funded it. Two minutes later, I put it on the spot market and somebody bought it, right? Thing is, whoever bought, and that happens today, right? We know that uh, the the mortgage lender sells their loans almost instantly, right? The warehouse, the, the inventory is Goldman Sachs comes in and says, okay, I will buy your loan, right? I have to buy this loan. I have to buy this loan because they can't package it up and make it into an MBS until they have sufficient number of mortgages that they can do their financial magic into the tranches and slice it and dice it and average all this nonsense. And then the investor goes and buys the mortgage bond. I don't know if ICE getting Black Knight and trying to create this futures market leads to a, head, uh, a pension fund saying we're buying this one mortgage from a San Diego savings loan. I think that's the step I'm missing, right? Do you think that they're going to be able to do or, that? Or, is or, or maybe when you the way you say it to that, Rob, is like it's just it's just making the uh, more efficient for these 
these banks like Goldman Sachs to get these individual loans to build these mortgage-backed security bonds quicker. It's pretty, fe- it's pretty efficient now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know how much more efficient that could get. So, again, but, but that's because I don't know fintech. Yeah, I don't know mortgages. And, right? and remember, remember this: the Black Knight's not the end of it, right? This was just one purchase we're talking about, and we hadn't okay. talked. About, we, no one's really talked about these other purchases: MERS, okay. Ellie Mae, how they come together, how the technologies bring it together, and how it's going to be utilized. So, it's really a number of purchases. But if you so, let's go. Let's look at today. They've okay, got okay. all. They've, they've lined up these. They bought these. ICE has bought these companies to allow for integrating the technologies to make for a more efficient transaction at whatever level, eliminating as much of the cost and as many people involved as possible. That's great. That'll make money. Does that, it's going to make a lot of money. It's missing a piece. And the piece it's missing is the touch of the consumer because you still got to get the person that wants to borrow the money. Mm -hmm. You still got to get, so so who are the people that still do that? They're the mortgage loan originators. Mm-hmm. Mortgage loan officers and the realtors—they're mm-hmm. the—they're the, really the tip of the sword. So to make this package work for ICE, they're still missing a piece. It's the—it's the actual first point of contact. Who owns the first point of contact? We talk. Who will this affect? Right. Well, we think maybe the realtor owns the real estate professional owns the first point of contact. Zillow might right. argue. Zillow might argue with you. Right, if we said that. And so I kind of said this in jest, but not really. If you look at what ICE has acquired to create what we know they want to build, whether they can build it or not, whether it, right, they believe they can, what's the one piece they don't have yet? The front, the first point of contact. So look for ICE purchasing or building a first point of contact. Now, well, why they, haven't they done that? I mean, if they own the New York Stock Exchange. Why haven't they bought um, TD Ameritrade? Well, I don't, I don't know why they haven't, but they've been working at that's this methodically. That's, that's, I mean, if if that was their kind of strategy to me, then if you look at the previous things that they've been doing, why haven't they looked for a first point of contact acquisition for? Okay, I've got the New York Stock Exchange. Now I'm going to buy a uh, uh, TB Ameritrade because I own the back end. I don't. I don't know if I. I totally agree that if that's the case for this for this situation, why didn't they do it in in previous situations? Because they were. They've only been around since 2005, and the futures market and the spot markets are already built in the kind of securities you're talking about. We're talking about a. Virgin, no, but, you know, I'm not talking about the futures or spot market. I'm talking about you're saying that because they're they're buying this now, they're going to want to have some sort of consumer-facing. Well, they, they're going to have a consumer-facing well, thing for the New York Stock Exchange. Well, because there are so many brokers out there. that oh, there's so many realtors and so many... Well, so I don't, think they'll, I don't think they'll go to a realtor. I think they go buy Zillow. I think they go buy maybe CoStar. No, I'm not that sure. But no, they don't, need, they don't need to buy a brokerage firm to get that first point of contact. They either build their own site. They've never done that with all the other acquisitions. They've never done that before. They've they've never, they've never, never, I mean, again, they know they own, you're saying just because they own some other asset that, that is like the market for it, like the, the, the exchange for it, the New York stock exchange that, you know, um, well, they, they, they don't have first point of contact, so they got to buy a company that is selling stocks to consumers. They haven't done that with their previous kind of acquisitions. Why are you making the assumption that they would do it for, for this space? There's a much bigger marketplace. We're talking 43% of all the assets where there is no spot market, there is no futures market. You talk about the New York Stock Exchange or any of the other exchanges, they don't come close to comparing. So this is a brand new area. They started this back in 2005. They've made these acquisitions. If their plan to do what they're going to do, which is to bring as many people as they can into this ecosystem because they make money in this ecosystem and they're supported by government and regulation and the big banks because they all want this to reduce risk, then the only piece that's missing, and it's not, they could just have it happen the way it happens organically. But if you spent $29 billion and you're really going after this, then it seems like it's logical that you would go after that first point of contact. And yeah, I don't, I, don't, I don't see that. I mean, I see them more of a back-end fintech company than ever that, going into something that they have known nothing about, right? This so, All the acquisitions you just laid out, and I had some notes here from the stuff I read, it's like, 
they're all, you know, technology companies, digitizing companies, all those types of things. They're, they're, that's to me, they're just trying to like this, make that process more efficient. These, they want these, these areas, yeah, they these, want, it's more they want to be, not, like, not like becoming a consumer company. Well, so they want to be the platform, right? For yeah, all platform's of fine. Platform's fine. And, but that's and, way and different that's, than, well, than what so, it could be. So once you're the platform, you want more people to use your platform. So that's when you get into market making. That's when you get into supporting new products that, where there can be market making around your new products because you make money on every transaction. And, but back to real estate. Here we've got an area where nobody's done any of this. And they've spent $29 billion on their way to doing this. They and are they gonna are they gonna go out now again? Okay, I say so this, so, so let's Zillow. go there. Okay, okay, they go by Zillow. Okay, I love Rob. Rob is like he, he, they're so suspicious. It just now people are gonna be saying that we said they're like gonna, okay. Let's, let's let's make it happen. You know, they yeah, buy, no, let, let's right. I love, so I love ice, this ice owns Black Knight. They go by Zillow. Okay, what what then? What's the impact? Well, then they integrate all of whatever takes place at Zillow into that whole system, and those leads, okay. hit, right? And so okay, so they do that, and then what? It just runs that that every transaction that runs through there, and every dollar that's made will to one degree. So I know, but what I mean is, let's get specific. Okay, so now Zillow is an ice company, right? A buyer goes to Zillow, looks at home, says, "Oh, I like, I love this home, right? I want to buy it." What? what what changes? What's different? Oh, you mean do they need a real estate agent or not? In no, my, I'm just wondering. Yeah, like so, what happens at that well, point? Well, so in because my mind, ICE owns Zillow. If ICE owns Zillow, then they have an automatic feed. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean they would exclude other feeds, right? They have an automatic feed of consumers into their ecosystem. Okay, and it then what allows, happens after that? So, well, uh, they, so a consumer says, "I want to look at this house," right? Does ICE then? make them a mortgage offer? Like what, what happens no, next I, well, is what I'm wondering. No, I, I don't think they make them a mortgage offer, but I think they know have more intelligence about who's looking I mean, for property, what they're looking for. I would rather, right? I think I should have a problem like, okay, now I bought Zillow. That's the one person I would do with. Instead of being able to work with any broker in the country, they put a line in the sand and saying, this is we're, we're basically going to compete. We have this whole platform that now we're going to stop. Everybody else is going to stop using us because we're now competing with them by this acquisition of Zillow, instead of being the platform for the entire industry, right? I think if they if they make these kind of moves, they're putting themselves in a corner. Okay, so they don't buy Zillow, they just create their own, they just spend whatever it takes and they create their own public. Okay, they're again in competition with the very people that they set up with the very but, kind of industry. Greg, I'll give us all this, like ICE is not, that's not their competition, right? That's not even their clients. So I'm just trying to figure out, let's just say, for the sake of discussion, ICE by Zillow, CoStar, and Redfin, right? All the portals. 100% of people who ever want to look at a home in the United States will go to an ICE-owned property to look at homes and decide to buy a home, right? What I'm asking, I guess, is, okay, so fine. ICE is the back end to all of this. A homeowner then goes and looks at a house. ICE has all this data. They're in the ecosystem. So as a result, what happens, right? To your point, it's not like that homeowner is not going to go, well, I want to buy this house, so I'm going to call a realtor, right? They're still going to do that, right? Well, that's what, what realtors, so we're going to get down to the, to how does this affect a realtor in the street? Right. Right. Well, so a realtor in the street would hope that they do that, right? The real estate practitioner would but, hope. What's the scenario where they don't do that? <laughs> What's the scenario where they don't do that? Well, I'm a homeowner. I I went to Zillow, right? I went to whatever, some portal. I'm looking at a house. Well, I like this house, right? Let me tell my realtor I want to go see this house. Maybe. That that doesn't change because Zillow is owned by a big mortgage platform, right? No. Are you suggesting that? I I would hope that they would still need somebody. Right, right. Right, right. To help now, me, like, hey, help should I them. buy this house? Uh, sure. Do, what do I know about this neighborhood? Can you tell me about this? And I don't want to do a paperwork. So, you know, I. so that's still going to happen. So do they no longer need a mortgage? The realtor no longer says, hey, uh, you're going to need to get pre-approved for a loan. They don't do that anymore. They just go click this button on Zillow and then ICE will pre-approve your loan. Well, you like, know what? Now, yeah, you're actually, it's not ICE. But yeah, what you're talking about is a mortgage marketplace where the consumer is in direct contact with the secondary market. 
that's on the drawing board too. Okay, with the secondary market. With the se- in other words, there is no mortgage loan. There is no middleman. Matter of fact, the banks don't like this idea. Right. Right. Kind of so what you're saying it. essentially comes down to this, because I do know a little bit about how that market works. You're saying that the Norwegian uh, pension fund will directly fund Joe Smith's purchase of One Two Three Main Street. Yeah. Now this is not I, this is not all happening at ice right now, but yes. That's okay. The, that's the conversation, right? The secondary market being in direct contact with the consumer, eliminating, we talk about removing hands from the transaction, Not and maybe not all of them, right? But some of the people that on are the lending in, side. On, on the, the lending, lending on the lending right. side, right? Because if you think about it, lending is just still a middleman. The ultimate pool of capital typically are these giant pools of capital, right? Pension funds, uh, insurance companies, right? And again, sovereign wealth funds. So I, I really mean it when it says like the Norwegian pension fund. Or better example, really, is CalPERS, right? Yeah. CalPERS is one of the largest investment yep. Yep. funds out there. CalPERS is going to, CalPERS today goes and buys mortgage backed securities, right? Mm-hmm. From Goldman Sachs, right? Because Goldman Sachs has aggregated 10,000 mortgages and they slice and dice. And so here's a bond, here's the coupon, here's the payment rate, here's all the risk, blah, 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 blah. What we're saying is, what Saul is suggesting is that CalPERS will buy, will will fund Greg from purchasing his next home. Yeah, and again, that's not uh, that's not the direct result of the acquisition of Black Knight. You're saying that's the vision by ICE, right? right? You're saying right. once they own everything, that's what's going to happen. Is that CalPERS will fund individual purchaser mortgage? Yeah. So, so yeah. for those listeners have gotten through to this point. <laughs> <laughs> This is what I, I'm, I'm just going to say this. I mean, to me, I go back to what I said in the beginning. This is more of a fintech thing for a prop tech thing. If you're an MLS exec concerned about ICE buying Black Knight, I think there's there's nothing really here to be worried about in the context of what, you know, the other things that we've seen before, like with a CoStar or a Zillow buying um, showing time. This, th- those are kind of close to you problems. This is not one of those things. In fact, Anything I would say that is going to increase the efficiency of mortgages getting done is going to affect the industry as a whole better. If we can increase mobility because it's easier and, and, and more efficient to make transactions, that's good for every realtor, good for every MLS, every good for every broker out there, right? So I don't think, I think, because well, a lot of our listeners and, and viewers are going to, I think they're tuning in because they're like, okay, should I be worried about this if I'm right. an MLS? Should I be worried about this if I'm, a, if I'm a real estate broker? Should I be really worried about this as a real estate agent? The answer to me is a very definitive, no, you should no. not be worried about it, right? Um, there's some high level shit going on here. And, um, uh, and, and and definitely we can argue about what the impact is going to be post that. But um, uh, however, I will agree to salt to this point. Okay. There is one acquisition. If ICE makes it, then people should worry. Okay, and that acquisition is Open Door. Right. If ICE acquires Open Door, then I would make. Then I might be a little bit concerned. And the reason for that is because ICE's clientele right now are all of the big uh, investor pools of capital. Their clientele are the CalPERS and the Norwegian Pension Fund and all these guys. And the middleman between them and the ultimate borrower is a series of, of uh, you know, warehousers, uh, syndicators, you know, investment banks underwriting, all of that, so GSEs, all of that. If ICE can replace all the things in the middle and then allow Norwegian Pension Fund to connect directly with Open Door, that's a different deal. And I would say, don't look at the Black Knight purchase as the end of the road here, right? This is this is an evolution that's taking place. You've got all these pieces. You can see where, and that's my point. You can see that yeah. this is heading yeah. somewhere, yeah. And that and people put money behind it. It's like twenty nine billion dollars, so it's not like it's fanciful that they put money behind it. And so look for the next acquisition and what's probably will take place or what could take place with that next acquisition, whatever that next acquisition might be and then there's this one more point and that is that the the mortgage market's not in as good a shape as everybody thinks it is there are a lot of bad loans on the books that nobody really knows about nobody's willing to talk about there's probably going to be a bigger shakeout in the mortgage marketplace than anybody believes there is part of this is this age-old conversation between the gses and private capital 
who's going to be in control. And right now, you still got this battle going on between Freddie and Fannie and Treasury and private capital. There's too much risk for private capital. What ICE plans to do is remove more of the risk so that private capital will be more comfortable coming into the marketplace. And eventually, that will minimize the position of the GSEs. So that's this overall overarching thing that's taking place. Now, one of the things I say, I haven't said it to anybody yet, but I'll say it to you guys, is I think that MLSs right now do have something to worry about. And what they should be looking at, and here's the problem with all these companies that come into the real estate space, they all lose money, right? And they get plenty of capital and they all come into the real estate space and they lose money. And one of the conjectures is the reason they lose money is they monetize the wrong way. They monetize down. They typically take their money from the realtors, from the people on the street. That's the wrong place to go. And it hasn't worked and they haven't made a lot of money and there's not a lot of money. And people say, hey, we got this great idea. I say, how are you going to make money? We're going to sell to realtors. I say, I don't want to be involved. It's too much work. (laughs) It's too much work. And there's not enough money. So if I were an MLS today, I would go to ICE. If I were the MLSs, I would organize. I would go to ICE. You say, you want a spot market? Don't get the data from Zillow to create a spot market. Don't get the data from anybody. We, the MLSs, we got the best data. Let's put something together and let's go to the top because I guarantee you there's plenty of money at that end to fund MLS. Again, my kind of vision is people figure this out. They get enough funding and someday there's enough funding from the data because we all know there's enough money. You can slice and dice this data. It won't hurt anybody. It'll make a lot of people money. And there's enough money there to pay for MLS. You don't need to have people paying money every month to run their MLS. The MLS should look at itself as a data company. Brokers should look at, look at the multiples between data companies and and brokerage firms, right? So there's something to this being a data company. If I were, and you, Rob, you talk about this, look at you, both you guys last time, look to where the puck is going and make decisions. And not making a decision is just as bad as, as uh, making, making the wrong decision. Same, right? same risk. That's same right. thing. Same and so you got this stuff going on in the secondary market. I guarantee you what you got, if you're an MLS, if you're a broker firm, they want. And they're going to figure out a way to get it. And they're buying these entities around getting it. Is there a way that what the industry has can be offered at a fair price, doesn't hurt anybody, and everybody's better off? Well, I, there's an opening here because they just bought Black Knight, right? So we yeah, know I mean, that... God, if... if... <laughs> If I've if there's one freaking um, brass ring, if there's one light at the end of the tunnel, one business model I've heard in the 30 years, I, mean, I don't have as many as you saw, but in 30 years is this freaking model of we're going to take all this data and sell it to Wall Street and make a millions, right? This is RPR's fucking vision. And originally, do it. Like, so many goddamn companies have had this same thing, and they've gone the way of the dodo, man. Yeah, nobody's that was- ever been able to fulfill, you know. So for so- for you to kind of tell me like, okay, this is what should happen. I'm like, I'm gonna. I mean, I just I have so much <laughs> towards that that it's it's not even measurable. Yeah, uh, that was that so was how much did that R- pay on for RPR? Hundred they spent a hundred million bucks, but did they go to right or however much they spent on that? Right. No, and the, the, we were gonna sell. We're gonna collect this data and sell it to Wall Street and make millions. Right. I mean, that was. That was Dale's kind of thing. I mean, it's just, and that, that's Rebig. I don't know if we, that was another thing for Rebig. I yeah. think even uh, San Diego was talking about that with their door. I mean, it's just everybody has had this vision and nobody's ever, I've never seen it play out. No, they're doing it piecemeal, though, aren't they? Aren't some of the MLS doing They never this piecemeal. talk about doing it piecemeal. I mean, you know, RPR's vision was like it was, we have the whole country, we have all realtors, all the MLSs. I mean, and that was, you know, oh, God, don't get me started. Jesus. Yeah. Well, we know there's, there's a lot of issues there, right? <laughs> Why that, that didn't take off. That was a good idea. You know, a realtor, an RVM would have been better than idea. an avian. The time somebody came up with it and tried to do it. That, that's how great of an idea it was. All right. Well, I think we can say we've achieved some understanding of what ICE is trying to do with the Black Knight purchase. I think we have some disagreements on what the impact will be. Um, it's a little unclear. Um, but, you know, I mean, that's the cool thing. Like, nobody actually knows. Like, we'll, we'll actually have to see what <laughs> comes down, right, so from all of this. Before, no, we exactly. wrap, could, before we wrap, could we, I mean, you know, we have you here, Saul. I mean, you've been there, seen all that. I mean, you know, some of the, some of the questions we get, everybody wants to know is like, what do you think, the next five years of real estate looks like? I mean, you, you've got all this knowledge and all this background. A lot of people are very, uh, 
you know, the market's going crazy, the stock market's going crazy, inventory's low. What's what's Saul Klein's vision of like what should the average realtor, broker, uh, MLS, what should we be worried about or what should what, what's your kind of predictions for the next five years here? Yeah, five years is a long time. And I would I think I think things will probably change before five years. So two things. Number one, it might be because of everything that's going on now economically, what we've got uh, in the country today it might be five years from now. Everybody's still doing the same thing. We might get we might really get slowed down. Um, but the other side of it, I think there's going to continue to be there's going to be some generational changes in what people are willing to accept with technology. I think costs are going to go down. I heard you say it the other day, Greg. I think commissions are going to continue to get compressed one way or another. I think the litigation is going to have some kind of effect on the practice of real estate. In California, I'm reluctant to, I'm old too, but I'm reluctant to go out and advise people to buy investment property in San Diego right now just because of the uncertainty. But I think it'll, I think the process will get more streamlined. I think that the amount of money that people make will uh, come down. I think that realtors, and they've always done this, need to be looking for alternative streams of income, other ways to make money within the real estate space. This idea of consolidation is not new. I think I mentioned it. You guys might remember in the 80s, Wall Street tried to get into the real estate industry and it couldn't do it after billions and billions of dollars, they backed out. So every once in a while we have this happen, we have these consolidations take place. And then because of the nature of the industry itself, in my mind, two things, the way in which people are employed is independent contractors instead of employees. And then the compensation, which is contingency compensation, which is the least effective type of compensation of all types, right? You don't get paid you know, until you make something happen. And therefore all the stuff you do is good. If you didn't get paid, you know, those people get penalized. So I think that we're going to see some changes there, how much I don't know. But if I was selling real estate today, I'd be looking at ways to add things to what I do. As I tell you right off, the, there's so many new things out there that people are going to start looking, I think, to realtors more because, and I use Picasso as an example, not because I support him or anything, just because it's a new thing. Yeah. And consumers are learning about it. And if I'm your realtor, you might hear about it on television. You might ask me about it. I should know about it. I should be able to say, well, this is what that is. Short-term rentals, long-term rentals, right? right. You know, co-ownership. I mean, housing. I think I think we've all been too primarily focused on purchase, right? On yeah. just you know, single ownership, right? And I think so, you're right. I think realtors have got to like get into to housing as a whole ecosystem, right? Not just just a, you have to you have to own it, right? Yeah, and it's this cop out always here. Well, I'm not qualified to do that, or I should no. You really, this idea that we've been preaching for years, you got to become more of a consultant than a salesperson. I think that's coming more and more because what other value do you have? You got to prove your value and it's not putting it in the MLS book and it's not putting it on a, on a site anymore. So what are the things that you can do? And one is you can be the expert. You can know about, well, why is it important that Black Knight was purchased? Why is it important to know about this thing called Picasso? Why is it important to know about Roofstock? Why is it? Why? Because your consumer, your buyer or seller, they might ask you about it. So if you're the real estate expert, I think it's time for people who claim to be real estate experts to really start examining what it means to be a real estate expert. And with all these new technologies, and there's plenty of opportunity. There's all these things that are out there and being marketed and consumers are hearing about it. And who do they have to go to to talk about it? Not the realtor, because the realtor doesn't know that it's happening. So if I were in, and I did it, I had to do this in the eighties. I had to restructure my business, right? I bought, I created a tax practice. I got securities licenses. I became a certified financial planner. Why? Because Prudential, the insurance company was getting into real estate because Sears, the retailer bought Payne Weber, right? And so we could, everybody was predicting that we were going to lose sales. So we had to look at new ways to generate revenue. It worked out well for me. And I would recommend to anybody in real estate today, like you said, Greg, look at it. It's more than the sale transaction. It's about understanding real estate, which is becoming actually more complex with the new. It's actually there's more choices for people. And as there are more choices, that gives the professional an opportunity to learn about it and be the, you know, the trusted advisor. And I think the biggest thing we have is in the real estate business is trust. And so you got to look at the trust that you build and you got to figure out ways to convey that trust into other methods of monetization. And, monetize it. and there's nothing and wrong with it. it. No, yeah. exactly. All right. Let's leave it there, man. <laughs> maximize your expertise, maximize trust. Um,
it's a complicated topic. So I just, let's uh, Saul, thank you for coming and explaining it to us. Thanks, I man. think we understand it. Greg, do you feel like you understand yeah, it? Yeah, much okay. better than before. Yeah, for sure. Okay. And yeah, I think that we've achieved that goal. So, hey, uh, if you've listened to us through this time, uh, actually, before that, uh, before that, uh, Saul, if people want to find you, if they have questions about all this stuff, like where, where would they find you? The, uh, they can just send me an email, Saul at SaulKlein.com. We've got a site set up. It's called The Data Advocate, T-H-E, TheDataAdvocate.com. And we're trying to keep up with all the news and write pieces on it as it comes out because there's a lot of stuff coming out that we think people should know about. Right on. All right. Once again, thank you for joining us. And if you've listened to this hour-long uh, podcast on Black Knight and Ice, we want to say thank you. And if you have thoughts on this, then uh, let us know. All right. Appreciate well, it. Saul. Uh, thank you. Fabulous, Greg and uh, Saul. Gregarious, Greg. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody.